Hello, and welcome to Next Reads, a podcast where we read the first chapter of a young adult or middle grade book to help you figure out what to read next. This podcast might contain language or situations some listeners might find offensive or unsettling. The North Liberty Library does not necessarily endorse any author's views, but it does support the freedom of speech and the freedom to read. Now on to the show. I'm your host, Erin, Youth and Teen Services Librarian at the North Liberty Library. My pronouns are she and her. Welcome, listeners. So today, I'm going to be reading from a new book called Troublemaker by John Cho with Sarah Sook. And this is probably considered historical fiction, even though the events that took place happened in my lifetime which makes me feel old, but that's neither here nor there. I'm going to read the front flap first so you have an idea of what the story is about. Sometimes good intentions lead to bad decisions. Jordan feels like he can't live up to the example his older sister set, nor his parents' expectations. When he returns home from school one day, hoping to hide his suspension, Los Angeles has reached a turning point. In the wake of the acquittal of the police officers filmed beating Rodney King, as well as the shooting of a young black teen, Latasha Harlins, by a Korean store owner, the country and their city are in crisis. As tensions escalate, Jordan's father leaves to check on the family's store, spurring Jordan and his friend Mike to embark on a dangerous journey to come to his aid. This gripping page-turning debut novel grapples with important issues including racism, guns, family, and community. So, it's gotten a lot of praise from a lot of really well-known authors like Alan Gratz and Linda Sue Park and Nicola Yoon and Jewel Parker Rhodes. So, I know this one's going to be good and it is middle grade. So, you know, generally fourth through sixth grade would be who this is for. Okay, chapter one, April 29th, 1992. I never knew a pair of shoes could scare me so much. But when I see Uma and Appa's sneakers by the door when I walk in, I nearly jump right out of my skin. It's not that they're anything out of the ordinary, the shoes I mean, with Appa's laces fraying at the ends and Uma's looking more gray than white like they did when she first bought them. What's weird is the fact that they're here at all. It's just a little after 4 p.m. on a Wednesday and Uma and Appa should both be at the store, not at home. I thought I'd have more time before I'd have to face them today. Their voices are quiet, muffled, coming from the direction of the kitchen. I stand real still by the door, listening, but I can't hear what they're saying from here. I move carefully down the hall, gripping the straps of my backpack with both hands, praying in my head, don't see me, don't see me. Just as I'm about to pass the kitchen, Oma looks right up at me. Oh, Jordan, you're home? She says in Korean. She says it all casual, like she's here every day when I get home from school. Like, I'm not the one who should be saying, Oh, Oma, you're home? Yeah, I say back in English. A nervous feeling starts to spread through my stomach. My prayer changes. Don't ask me how school was. Don't make me lie to you. By some miracle, she doesn't. She just smiles and nods, turning back to Appa to carry on talking about whatever they were talking about. The air kind of tense and tight between them. Huh, that's weird. Oma always asks how school was pretty much her favorite question. Not to mention, I still don't know what they're both doing home so early. I linger by the door, wondering whether I should ask or not. But the more questions I ask them, the more questions they might ask me. And I want to avoid that for as long as possible. Not that Appa would ask me anything, though. 
This whole time he hasn't even looked at me once. I don't know whether to be relieved or disappointed. It's been this way between us for weeks, ever since our big fight. Things haven't been the same since then. It's like time split into before and after. Before, when I was just Jordan and he was just Appa, and I didn't think twice about being in the same room together. After, when we're not just Jordan and Appa anymore. We're Jordan, who doesn't know what to say around Appa, and Appa, who basically completely ignores Jordan. He's been so cold to me lately, ice cold. Maybe he's waiting for me to say sorry first, but there's no way I'm going to do that. Maybe this means we'll never talk again until the end of time. Maybe not even then. I stare at the back of his head for a second longer, and then I walk away. Hara Byoji's in the living room, watching TV and eating ojinjio off a plate. At least grandparents are dependable. Always where you think they'll be. Sitting on the couch, wearing a fishing vest with a hundred pockets, even though you can't remember the last time you've ever actually seen them go fishing. A piece of dried squid between their teeth. At least, that's my grandpa. I don't really know about anyone else's grandpa. Hi, Harabyoji, I'm home, I say, dropping my backpack on the floor and sitting down next to it. He grunts, not looking up from the TV. He's watching some sitcom I don't recognize. His favorites are usually Full House and Home Improvement, the light reflecting off his huge rectangular glasses. Harabyoji's not much of a talker, except when it comes to yelling at fictional characters on the screen. I don't even know if he knows what's going on. It's been nine years since we immigrated to Los Angeles from Korea altogether, and I'm still not sure how much English he understands. He didn't want to come with us at first, to America that is. He wanted to stay in Korea in the same house where he and my grandma had lived together for years, saying he wanted to die in the same room she did. But Appa said it would be the best thing for all of us and that he wasn't going to leave his own father behind. He eventually convinced Harabiyoji to pack up his life and get on the plane with us, though I remember Harabiyoji being unhappy about it. At least he's found some joy in these American shows. I think he finds them funny. I glance toward the kitchen and then back at Harabiyoji, lowering my voice. Can I tell you something? He grunts again without turning down the volume. Here's the thing about my grandpa. We're not close exactly, but he's the one person in this family that I feel like I can really talk to even if he doesn't totally get what I'm saying since I speak to him in English. Maybe that's the reason why I feel okay. Or maybe it's because he's too busy judging made-up people on television to judge me, and I know that whatever I tell him, he won't tell anyone else. I got suspended from school today. At this, his eyebrows lift. I can't be sure if it's from what I said or from something on TV, but I keep going. I got sent to the principal's office again for cheating on a Spanish quiz. Or, I guess, getting caught cheating. Again. Mr. Martins was so mad. I make a face, hearing his voice in my head. He always talks real slow, like he's speaking through a mouthful of chewing gum. He kept saying how he's seen me in his office more than any other sixth grader in the school, and how he can't even count how many times I've been caught cheating now. And then you know what he says? He says I should try to be more like Sarah. Says that when she was in middle school, she was a model student. How could the Park siblings be this different? She probably makes your parents so proud. And you? Well, they'll be so disappointed in you, won't they? I scoff, but I can feel my shoulders slumping. Mr. Martins doesn't need to tell me what a disappointment I am to my parents. I already know that. 
Appa told me so himself. Harbioji turns off the TV, startling me. He leans forward in his seat, his left hand on his knee. He's only got three fingers on that hand. He lost the pinky and ring finger during the Korean War. Oma says it's rude to stare, but it's hard not to when I'm sitting on the floor and basically eye level with him. I look at his face instead. He locks his eyes on mine, his mouth set in a grim line. Uh-oh. Did I overestimate how safe my secrets are with him? My face flushes. Is he going to rat me out to Uma and Appa after all? He holds out his empty plate with his right hand. Get me more ojinjio, he says in Korean. I ate it all. Oh, of course. Yes, Harabyoji. Take the empty plate and head for the kitchen. But as I get closer, I can hear Uma and Appa talking, only it's not in those low voices I heard earlier. They're louder now, almost yelling. Are they fighting? I stay in the hallway listening. My Korean's not so great anymore, but I can understand more than I can speak, and I pick up every word. I think you're worrying too much about nothing, Appa says. You can never be too careful, Uma says back. She sounds exasperated, angry. People are mad about what happened with Rodney King. Tell me you're not even a little bit worried that something bad might come out of that today. Of course they're mad. Who wouldn't be mad? Now Appa's the one who sounds annoyed. Doesn't mean that bad things are going to happen. There's no reason to think so. It will be fine. You heard what they said on Radio Korea. They said there may be protests, so we should pay attention, stay alert. And we did, didn't we? We closed the shop early and came home. That's enough. You're always thinking further ahead than you need to. How do you think I've carried us this far? I won't let this store fail like our last one. Someone has to think about this family. It's like she sucker-punched him with her words. There's this long silence, and I don't even realize it at first, but I'm holding my breath. I feel like if I let it out, the plate in my hands will crack, the air will explode, and Harabiyoji will never get his squid because there's thunder and lightning standing between me and the kitchen. Uma is thunder. Maybe she's the lightning, too. Fine, she finally says. I'll go. Go where? To board up the store. Before Appa can reply, or I can even take a step, Uma storms out of the kitchen. She doesn't see me. She's too focused, pushing the little wisps of hair falling from her stubby ponytail out of her eyes and reaching for the coat closet. She grabs the handle of the sliding mirrored door and pulls hard. What happens next is everything shatters. At first, I think I've dropped Harabiyoji's plate, but when I look down, it's still in my hands. It wasn't me that broke. It was Uma. The closet door's always been too flimsy, teetering on loose tracks, and Oma's pulled it open so hard it finally gave up and jumped the tracks. The whole mirrored door cracks and explodes into shards on the floor. She yells, jumps back, and then stands there, breathing heavy. What was that? Harabiyoji shouts from the living room. Everything's fine, Oma shouts back, even though I think what she means is really the opposite. Appa comes out of the kitchen and looks at Uma, standing there with that broken mirror all around her. Then he notices me. Sometimes I forget how tall he is, but when he looks at me, he has to look way down the way I do when I look at ants on the sidewalk. He stares and I stare back, right at his bushy eyebrows and the permanent furrow in his brow, like God stuck his thumb there for too long and left a dent. It's the first time we've really made eye contact since the big fight. I'm bracing myself all over. I think maybe he's going to say something. And he does, but not to me. 
He walks over to Emma and puts his hand on her shoulders. I'll go board up the store, he says. I'll call you when I'm there. Then he reaches into the doorless coat closet and grabs his jacket, takes his car keys off the hook on the wall, puts on his shoes with the fraying laces, and leaves. He doesn't look back once. That is the end of the chapter. So I hope you found that interesting and possibly want to come check it out. If not, it's always more books just waiting to be discovered at the library. Check the show notes for books with similar themes. I'll try to find some things that are about Korean American immigrants and potentially the Rodney King trial. I don't know if I'll be able to find any that are kind of geared towards middle grade, but at the very least, it'd probably be helpful to have something in your head about Rodney King and what happened in Los Angeles during that time. So please join me next time for another Next Reads. Thanks. 